I think that the thing, you know this because you've looked at these numbers, and I'm sure you have people telling you to run for mayor every day. I think the challenge for any Republican is in, in New York City is how do you overcome this tremendous partisan registration advantage, right? And I don't know that the answer, that, that there is an answer to that. I mean, my view of the situation is, and I've fought for this for years, is that there should be nonpartisan elections. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to put up, say, um, Andrew Giuliani against uh, Brad Lander in a mayoral race. There's nobody that could listen to each of you discuss the problems that New York is facing, uh, the the solutions that each of you have for their problems, and think Brad Lander ha- is a more reasonable person to be mayor. Right. That being said, if you ran against Bla- Brad Lander, he'd get 75% of the vote. Yeah. So it's such a it's such an albatross being a Republican. And there are certain districts, like I live in a Republican district, mm-hmm. A Democrat running in that district faces that same yeah. that same threshold. Why should people not be judged on their qualifications, their ideas, their background? Why should they be pigeonholed because they happen to be the Democrat or the Republican? Yeah, I always, when looking at the uphill battle that it is for a Republican to win citywide, I go back to 1989, 1993. You think about... Uh, when my father first ran for mayor, he got 48% of the vote against Dinkins. At the time, it was 4-1 to one Democrat to Republican. Think about the four years of David Dinkins. You had the four highest murder rate years in the history of New York. Not as a four-year four year cumulative, but literally 1990, 1991, 92, 93. Those were the one, two, three, and four highest murder rates in the history of New York. The worst years you could have as a city. And my father picked up basically an effective 4% of the vote over those four years. So it's very difficult to go and be able to swing 21, 22% of an electorate, really what would be 40% of an electorate to your side in a four-year period. It's going to take time and time and time. I, I think Curtis has this crossover appeal to Democrats that most Republicans don't. Oh, same. Yeah. Uh, but it's still very difficult. If you're running with that R in front versus that D, you know that as the D, you have kind of a minimum vote number. And as an R, you're fighting up that stream. And, and, and again, um, so again, it sounds like what you're saying is the solution is if you want Curtis or an Andrew Giuliani elected mayor in two years, we have to go on a murdering rampage and start murdering everybody. I, I don't, I'm not willing to go that, that far, is, is that That's what, what I said? I, I mean, I get crazy on Friday. I, don't, I didn't realize I actually said that. We'll have to pay so the tape do you, back do you, on that Do you one. agree with my view that there should be no, nonpartisan should be murdering municipal- people all over New York City? I do not agree with that view. You. I yeah. want to be very, very clear to anybody, just in case. I feel like this could come back politically yeah, at some point. I probably can. But um, do you think there should be nonpartisan elections, at least on a municipal level? LaGuardia used to say, for instance, there's no Democrat or Republican way to uh, to clean the street. Do you agree with that? What do you think? You know, I haven't, I haven't given that enough thought, and I'd love to talk to you a little bit more in terms of the pros, the cons of it right there. Um, obviously, you can see how the party can potentially – I don't want to say manipulate, but pushes their preferred candidates rather than actually just having kind of this uh, open forum, if you will, in primaries. So but that's something that I've you're thought about. It. It. I'm certainly right. open to so hearing we'll, more. I'm we'll, not going to cut you I'll, off and uh, say you don't have First Amendment rights. I want to hear more from Frank. Right. We'll, we'll, and, and we'll work you, on it. Yeah, a real, a real forum. Here. I like that. Okay. Um, speaking of cons, i got to get your take on this. <laughs> you live here in Manhattan, mm-hmm. right? So um, – Maybe this will not be the albatross for you that will be to so many of the people listening to this right now. But I don't understand how if this goes into effect, I can afford to continue to work here because the first congestion pricing program in this country is taking its final shape 
right here in New York City, and it appears likely that most drivers are going to have to pay $15 to enter some of the busiest streets in Manhattan, basically all the streets south of 60th Street. Uh, Yesterday, officials provided, or Wednesday, the clearest picture yet of the tolls that they're hoping to implement. They aim to collect roughly a billion dollars to fund what they claim is to fund improvements to the city's subway and bus networks. It looks like commercial trucks would pay as much as $36. You know where that money is going to be passed right on to the consumer. Taxis are going to add $1.25 per fare. Uh, Uber and Lyft are going to attack on $250, and most drivers will pay $15. Those of us that commute in the middle of the night, we get a little bit of a break. Uh, but we still don't get away with not paying anything. We get a reduced fee. I uh, the, I know there's a lawsuit going on with, from the folks in New Jersey. I know uh, Borough President Vito Fasella and others have been very vocally opposed to this. Never have I rooted for New Jersey more <laughs> against New York than I have in this lawsuit, by the way. You know, I, I, they say it's boring on talk radio to have uh, people constantly agreeing. But uh, even though you're a Manhattanite, I can't see you being on the other side of this one. This would be a disaster. Honestly, I thought the best part of a great interview that John Katzmatidis did with Mayor Eric Adams a couple of weeks ago was the very end when John pressed the mayor and said, what can we do about this congestion pricing? This is going to kill the city at a time that the city needs a comeback. It doesn't need something that's going to be another albatross on it. And the mayor kind of deflected and said, well, this is federal, this is state. He kind of pointed the fingers at everybody else but the city. And John said something that I think the mayor should take, not just on this issue of congestion pricing, but all of his issues, crime, this. He said, if you speak out, they will listen, which is use your leverage here because you it's going to kill your city. And I couldn't agree more. If you look at the MTA's operating budget, it's over $19 billion. So what's this extra billion going to do except to go to a system, sadly, which has been broken? What you need is more efficiency out of the MTA. You need that money? Figure out another way to raise it. Don't put it on the back's of hardworking New Yorkers, people coming in from New Jersey that are just trying to actually pour more money into your city. That's what you're doing. You're taking money out of the businesses in New York City. And, you know, one of my favorite tweets yesterday is from my uh, my council member, Joe Borelli, who wrote, so if you're a low-income Manhattan resident living below 60th Street who needs a car, yeah. you get the benefit of cleaner air, less congestion, and a tax credit for your congestion fees. But if you're a low-income schlub living above 60th Street, you get more congestion and no tax credit. How is that fair? I was thinking about this. Think about if you own a garage on 59th Street versus 61st Street. How excited are you if you own a garage on 62nd Street, let's say, in Manhattan? Versus 59th Street. Your business is dead, right? It's it, completely dead. Uh, uh, it is uh, awful. If anybody out there wants to carpool with me uh, on the way to work, <laughs> once this gets implemented, email me, frank.morano at uh, wabcradio.com. Talk, talk to murdering all of your fellow yeah, exactly. citizens on hey, the way. Hey, anything anything to get a Giuliani back. Hey, speaking <laughs> of Giuliani's in the news, uh, I understand your congressman has had quite a few choice words for uh, New York's greatest mayor. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We have four open phone lines if you want to comment on anything that uh, Andrew and I are talking about, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Best to call now because once Curtis gets here, you won't get in a word edgewise. A lot to get to. George Santos looks like uh, he is very likely to be 
former Congressman George Santos by next week. Elon Musk has choice words for people that want to boycott him. And a very big debate last night. We're going to get into all of it on this Sid and Friends in the Morning. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.